This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Pakakacha, Volume 38, happening June 6th at the Park Theatre. Come watch industry professionals present interesting and innovative ideas 20 seconds at a time through 20 slides. Just like you're going to hear Gregory, Justin, and Samantha do in this episode of Super Pulp Science. Tickets and information at pakakacha.com. That's P-E-C-H-A-K-U-C-H-A.com. <laughs> Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. This is Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. I'm here with my long-suffering co-host, Justin, who's <laughs> slurping his coffee. It didn't quite work. And uh, our producer, Dan. And we're here to set up a series of clips for you from an event that we did called... Um, Pachachka. Or Pechacucha. Or Pikachuka. Yeah, so any of those <laughs> ways that you... I've got Pokemon on the brain. Pronounce. <laughs> Pikachu! Oh my gosh. Any way that you want to pronounce it, it is um, a uh, presentation format where you get 20 slides for 20 seconds. You have no control when the slides go as well. It just starts and you have it's 6 minutes and 40 seconds, That's something right. like that. Yeah. Um, and it is hosted by the Society of Graphic Design here in Winnipeg, and they bring in all kinds of guests from all kinds of places uh, in all kinds of interest areas, and they talk about the thing they're passionate about. Yeah, for if you're just passionate about what you do, you should be you should do a pikachu. So yeah. we've had like anywhere from like chefs to fine artists to architects. It feels kind of like a, a streamlined TED Talk is kind of what yeah. it is, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's it's got the TED Talks can be longer and they can be about different things, but it, it, it does really run the gamut as far as topics are concerned, yes. oh, yeah. which is really what makes it most interesting, right? right? It's so, all over the place. So what you're going to listen to, dear listener, here is uh, the audio recordings of of our Pechacucha talks. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it will be myself and Justin Curry and Sam Biko, who is unfortunately under the weather today, so she can't promo her own clip. But of the three of them, hers is probably the best. Yeah, when Sam started doing her speech, I thought, oh no, she's going way too fast and she's she's gonna mess this up she's gonna run out of things to say and then i realized she knew exactly what she oh my was God, doing it was amazing and yeah. it made it so much better we'll save that one for last then yeah save that one for last yeah. that's a good one um so i hope you enjoy our pechacucha pechacucha pechachka talks and uh we will catch you next time on super bulb science There is a tide in the affairs of men, which taken at the flood leads on to fortune. Omitted, all the voyage of our lives are bound in shallows and in miseries. On such a full sea are we now afloat, and we must take the current as it serves or lose our ventures. Put simply, it means you have to finish what you start. But where we start is different for all of us. But I think an important point to point out is that we don't start here. We start a thousand generations from this moment and that we've come a long way and that that history is our power. And with great power, of course, comes great responsibility.
Um, I realized that I was always my best self when I was taking little bits of the world and recontextualizing them. I would hear a piece of conversation, I would see a smile, I would find a bit of cloth, and I would draw it, I would render it. And for a long time, I wondered what it was all for, because anytime I tried to present it, it seemed like a pale imitation of the world that was. And what I realized was that if I started to present worlds that weren't, I was getting closer to what I really meant. My life making comics is about creating windows into places that don't exist so that I can understand better the world I live in. Each of these is like a stepping stone that takes me not to where I am, but is going to take me to where I'm going. The important thing to realize about making books for a living is that I didn't know that this was the path I was on. As a teacher, I would pass this sign every day. And it would remind me to remind my students that there was a world out there and there were a lot of ways to do things and I didn't have the answers. That they would eventually have to go off into the dark woods and hunt for something to look for something, and the thing that they were after, the thing that they were chasing, might not be the thing that they found. And that that, that was okay. Because we don't always find the things we're looking for. Sometimes we find something else. Sometimes we find ourselves. When we let the pieces of ourselves fall away and look inside, and what we're really meant to do, it starts to guide us. It starts to point in a direction. And it can be difficult to follow it. When an inner situation is not made conscious, it appears outside as fate. Hmm. Well, you can't bring up fate without talking about the future. And of course, the future is unknown, it's uncertain. The future is scary. The future might blow up in our faces. And that's true. And when I find myself wondering about what the future will hold, as anyone working freelance often does, I remind myself that little Gregory, who drew those Spider-Man pictures at the front, when he was asking for advice about what the world would be like, the devices I use every day today had not yet been invented. The tools I used to reach people were somebody else's distant idea. And the advice that my teachers were trying to give me was already obsolete. There might be a battle there for you to fight in that future that's coming. And you don't know how to get there. But I will tell you this, you're going to make the path by walking it. It's okay that you don't know where you're going. Because sometimes it brings you right here. And when you're forced to look inward, I promise you're going to find things that need fixing. 
things about yourself that you don't like, things about yourself that you see reflected in others. But we can fix it. As long as we remember that the story that's being told to us, this story that we're somehow alone against everybody else, that it's a battle that needs to be fought. Yes, that is Canaries. <laughs> that battle that needs to be fought is actually, it's just a fairy tale. And that what's true is that in us is the ability to find others like us. And they won't always look like us. And we won't always know when they're coming. But there are people out there who are going to help us. Sometimes we just haven't met them yet. The world is not black and white. It's not the world that people tell you it is. You can cut it up. You can make it look different. I give you that permission. Because the world is actually full of color. It's full of beauty. It's full of wonder. Shout out to my friend Cal who collaborated on this piece with me and who didn't know that this message would mean what it does to me today. We all have to pay our way in this world. That part's true. But the true cost of anything is the amount of life you spend on it. Thank you. He was good, wasn't he? Showed he had some life in him, in the end. I am the illustrator behind the brand and company Chasing Artwork. Um, I specialize in a, a particular type of illustration um, based in vector. And I'm going to gush about the medium of vector tonight and kind of talk about my journey from uh, small town illustrator to moving to the city, being a graph designer, and, and everything in between. So I've actually, I'm, I've done a, a Pika Kucha before, actually, uh, circa 2010 when it started up. And it was my very first public speaking event since reciting Mosquito in the Cabin in grade two, I think. So I rushed through everything I had to say by about slide five, and then I just stood here and waited for the next slide to come up. So I'm not necessarily following my slides tonight. I'm going to ramble a little bit, and you guys can just follow along as best you can. Um, yeah, I grew up in a small town a couple hours outside of the city. When I was 17, I really wanted to be an illustrator. But as a lot of us have been told, you can't be an illustrator. Pick something else. So graph design seemed to be the next best option to, uh, to be something a little creative and also potentially get a job with it. So I enrolled in graph design at Red River College and they taught me how to use Photoshop and InDesign and a program called Adobe Illustrator, which is really improperly named, I always felt, because no illustrators ever want to use Adobe Illustrator. It's a very rigid program um, based on mathematical points and it's great for graph design, it's great for logos, um, and designs and stuff like that, but 
Um, as far as painting in it, not so much. But I, I went through the course and I, I started to really enjoy it. Uh, shortly after graduating from graph design, I got hired as uh, a designer at a firm, did a bunch of logos, did a bunch of websites, brochures, all that noise. But I started experimenting on the side. Um, and I started experimenting with vector. Because I had to work in vector eight and a half hours a day, uh, that started to kind of combine with my drawings that I was doing on the side. And so shattered vector painting, which is what I call my style, um, became a thing. And it kind of took off a little bit. Um, I started doing comic conventions on the side. And for those of you who don't know, comic cons are basically trade shows revolving around geek culture. So suddenly I had a venue um, where I could sell my illustrations and I was getting noticed for my illustrations. And prior to this, nobody cared about my illustrations. I was just a designer doing designs for companies and, and now suddenly I was doing illustrations and people wanted them. Um, so this, uh, yeah, I started doing Comic-Cons around 2008. I did the local one in the city and had an absolute blast. Um, I did get stuck in the elevator for three hours prior to getting to the show the first time. But once I got up there, it was great. And I was kind of hooked. So I started doing more Comic-Cons outside of the city as well. I traveled to Calgary. I did well there. I went to Toronto, did okay there. Started going to New York and then Emerald City in Seattle and then San Diego Comic-Con. And suddenly I was traveling around so much that I decided to quit my day job and just be a illustrator full-time. Um, okay, back to Vector. Vector. For those of you who aren't too familiar, it's a digital medium. Uh, it's a little hard to explain. Most people work in Photoshop, which is raster-based. It's kind of based on a grid, and you paint, and it fills up squares. Vector is math-based, and it kind of recalculates as you shrink things and enlarge them. And it's... Uh, that's about as close as I can get to describing it. It's not super fun to use, and not many people use it, but because I had to use it all the time, I just got used to it, got comfortable, and started doing these drawings where I was drawing a lot of things and then kind of breaking them, and then setting them to transparencies, and stacking the pieces over and over and over again at this transparency, and it started to look like broken glass. And it was a very loose style, it was a very, um, fun way to paint, and everybody was asking what I called it, and I had no idea, I, I didn't have a name for it at that point, but the comments were always, it looks like broken glass, thus shattered vector painting. Um, and around this point as well, I, so now I was doing Comic-Cons full-time, I was starting to publish uh, sequential artwork and do comics and, and graphic novels, um, because the great thing about Vector is you can recycle it a lot. Every, and this is a good slide to come up at this point, that looks kind of impressive, but most of the little bits in this one too, I'm stealing from one point of the painting and bringing it up to the other and then flipping it and minimizing it or enlarging it and doing it again and again and again. And it looks like I have a lot of patience, but I don't. It's just, it's just manic. Um, so yeah, I was starting to build a bit of a brand name and build a bit of a, uh, a following at all these Comic-Cons. 
And I was starting to get hired, not as an illustrator and not as a designer, but as they were, companies were starting to hire me for my style. And that was kind of great, because before, oh my god, I'm already at the end. Um, yeah, before, people were just hiring me as a hired gun, and now they actually cared about my particular style, and it was um, getting me places. My next project is Dragon Nanny. I was, had a bit more lead up to this. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, my next project is Dra Dragon Nanny, which I'm working on with uh, Sam Biko. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And GMB Kamichuk. I hope you all enjoyed my presentation. Thank you for listening to me ramble. <laughs> Welcome, humans. I am ready for you. Fish, plankton, sea greens, and protein from the sea. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so my slides are just basically going to be wallpaper to the um, manic rocket ship we're about to board. So, uh, hi everyone. My name is Sam Biko, and I'm a lot of things. I'm a books editor, graphic designer, artist, podcaster, community organizer, comics editor, comics maker, and I'm all of these things because I say yes way too much, and I think I can do it, so I just go for it. Uh, but for all that, today I'm here to chat about being a published author, a writer, a liar. Um, <laughs> I travel a lot to promote, and I give a lot of lectures and workshops on writing and publishing, but the question I get asked the most is, how do I become a writer? Uh, so buckle up, you're about to learn my devastating secret, and that is lying. I lie a lot, I lie reactively, and somehow here I am. Um, being a writer is a chronic condition for me, and it's not going away anytime soon, so today I'm going to talk about channeling my manic tendencies and embracing that reactive ability to lie to get myself out of tough spots. Um, I tell stories for a living, so I'll tell you a few about how I got here as a career writer and try not to slip into madness along the way, but here we are. I am a writer. When I want to tell a story, I start at the end. I'm very stable, I promise. And uh, first rule of writing a book, get good at lying. Lying is a gateway to literature, someone said. Don't know who, I guess we're gonna find out. And not just lying to yourself, uh, but also your audience, but mostly lying to yourself. I'll start with the biggest lie. Writing a book is easy, and you'll be instantly rich and famous with very little work involved. And that was the biggest lie that I was fed when I started. Since I was 15, I'm 29 now, I've written 14 books and I've had five published. How did I do it? This isn't a lie. I just sat down and got writing. That's really the only way to be a writer. We'll get to the lying in a second, though. Gee, I hear you thinking super loudly. That sounds like a lot of books that you wrote. Where the hell did you get the time to do that or the um, inspiration? Um, but I all start them in the same way. I start at the end, and then I lie until I get there. Um, <laughs> And once you've got the end, it's much easier to see the horizon when you're stuck in the swamp of self-doubt and despair, which is that funny middle bit that none of us can avoid. I'm a solid liar, but I'm also a very reliable narrator. Um, so let me try to put it into words. Writing is a marathon of word miles, hundreds of thousands of them. It's transcribing a world only you can see in a language without a cipher and inviting strangers to hallucinate vividly alongside you and hoping they stick around, hoping they like it, and overthinking everything, and deleting half of everything you wrote in a fully eight-hour day, and did I use enough adjectives? Maybe I should just add just a few more, and maybe one scene with a ghost, but the ghost isn't really there, it's a metaphor, and what am I gonna do with all that royalty advance money when it starts rolling in? Stable. Right, okay, now let's get back to the lying, though. 
Writing is mellifluous and magical. That's a half lie. Writing is putting yourself in that chair until you're done. True. And it's really all about lying. And when I say lying, I mean fabricating creatively about being able to meet your deadlines, or if you think you can actually do this, or werewolves. And then inventing people who don't exist and becoming them and knowing their every thought, which invade your every thought when you're not writing. And yes, I firmly believe 12 cups of coffee a day is average, don't you? Writing is starting again and again, every day, and backspace, 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 what am I doing, why am I doing this, Who do, who's even going to care, did I eat today, why is my eye twitching, this just, desk chair squeaks, I should check Twitter, Facebook, Insta, I swear the sun just came up. I had a lot of stories in me from the start, and I always started at the end, because I was eager. Eagerness is good, because it helps with the lying. I wrote my first book at 16, actually true, published when I was 23 and didn't want to stop. I submitted my next book, Scion of the Fox, to, to my publisher, and they asked me right away if it was a trilogy. Sure, I lied, and I got a three-book deal out of that. <laughs> Great, so what are the titles? Well, lying's got me this far, so I made them up on the spot. Awesome, we're going to put them on the cover. Oh, by the way, we need book two in 30 days. Do you have it? <laughs> I'm a house fire inside, but I mean to say, sure, 30 days. Still don't know how I managed to do that, but hey, lying just comes easy when you're a writer. Well, you're a writer like me anyway. I mean, um, you know, someone asked me, do you want to write a comic strip for this great anthology? Never done it before, but let's just go for it. The art of doing is in the lying for me, because why not just add some extra pressure by pretending to know what I'm doing, like this talk? Lying is writing. Fake it till you make it. It won't scrub the inside of your skull like a pumpkin at all until you're a sweating automaton who forgot to bathe in order to meet your word count goal. No thanks, I don't need to sit down. Actually, if I told you how much I sit, you'd become unhealthy by association. So I think I'm just going to lie instead. <laughs> Writing doesn't make you crazy at all. Anyway, writing is the easy part because once you wrote the book, you're no longer that fragile daisy in the tower, son, because it's time to promote the damn thing. Do the book launch, answer the interview questions, can you fly to the city, be a guest at this con. No, my book isn't about foxes, it just has foxes in it. Yes, I know blood is in the title, but it is for kids. Hi, you read my book in one sitting and it took me a year and a half to write. Maybe I will sit down now. <laughs> writing is putting yourself in that chair until you're done. Writing is starting again and again and again and backspace, backspace, backspace. Writing is a marathon of miles and every mile gets harder until you realize you set the finish line at the beginning because you started at the end. And once you've got the end, then it's much easier to see that horizon that you're stuck in when you're in that swamp of self-doubt and despair, which is that funny middle bit none of us can avoid. I'm a very reliable narrator. and I start at the end every time so let me start now. We're going to see if we learned anything from this talk. I talked really fast, and I still have a minute left. <laughs> but um, just tell me what this is when I shout it out. Writing a book is easy, and you'll be instantly rich and famous with very little work involved. That's right. Not just lying to your audience, but to yourself. Maybe I should stop doing that, because I wouldn't be so tired <laughs> all the time. Lying is a gateway to literature. I'm the one that said that. Uh, it's not really a very good thing to, to say to yourself if you want to stay going in this field. First rule of writing a book, get good at? I'm very stable, I promise. And uh, I hope that you are too, uh, because maybe hopefully away from this, you can become a writer as well. We're just going to, yeah, get out there and lie. I mean, right. Thank you.
But if for some strange reason you want to be 31, then, then you have the same chance as everyone else. Like your friend tonight, Carousel. Mm.